you have your Bible with you today, uh, go ahead and get that out. Open up your Bible apps and, and go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. I want to share with you a message that I call Rich in God. Are you ready for this today? Rich in God. Now, it might sound like initially that it's focused on uh, spiritual riches, uh, but it's not. It actually is, is, that's contextually a part of it, but I'm not just talking about uh, rich spiritually. I am talking about literal fi- finances and, and money issues. Um, and, and so I've, I've come to learn, both through the study of God's Word, through personal application and through observation in the lives of people as I've pastored over the last uh, few decades, uh, that when money is not properly handled, many areas of life are uh, vulnerable. They are, uh, they're, they're going to they're gonna be harmed by lack of proper money handling. It needs to be viewed correctly, right beliefs about it. It needs to be handled properly. And this is not something that is disconnected from spiritual life. It's not true that our relationship with God is in one room and our finances are in another room. All right. That, that is not the case. In fact, you'll find continual overlapping of financial dealings with all areas of life. Uh, let me illustrate, uh, and you're just, you could probably just line up the list, but uh, marital struggles. D- does that ever connect to finances? All right. Yeah, many people have trouble in their marriage and it's financially related. That's the thing they argue about, <laughs> or that's the thing that causes strife or causes problems in, in their marriage. Um, if you're going to keep God first in your life, you're going to answer money questions. You are going to at some point. Um, if you are going to live free, freedom, you don't know what I mean by free, you're free to go, you're free to do, you're free to be, uh, you are going to have to find that, that it intersects your financial life in order to do that, right? The lack of keeps you restricted, right? Um, that that, that can, can be a problem. Um, you know, money can just be pressure. It's a pressure on a lot of people. And it's not just those without. That's often easily uh, understood. But even those with large sums of money, they often have lots of pressure on them because of their financial situation. And I, can I tell you this? Spiritual growth runs right into this. Spiritual development your progress spiritually is never going to circle around your finances. In other words, it will, uh, lack of proper understanding in dealing will, uh, will hinder your spiritual life. You'll only go so far until you get this under control or handled in a proper way. All right? I'll show you this more as we go. If you're, if you're uh, wondering about some of these things, wonder away. The Word of God will answer all of our questions. All right. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19. Anybody happy to be here? Matthew 6 verse 19, Jesus said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth 
where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where, where thieves do not break in and steal. Uh, how many are happy that someday in heaven we will no longer have to lock our doors? <laughs> there won't be any thieves there. You won't have cybersecurity. You won't have life lock and, or whatever, all these things. There won't be credit card theft and, and everything else. There won't be any thieves. Yeah? Everything will be great. I remember when we, when we uh, first moved to Idaho, my family, I grew up and we first moved to Idaho many years ago. We found that very interesting coming from California, uh, like you guys. Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure there's some pure bloods here. <laughs> Potatoes under your fingernails. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, when we first came to Idaho, what was interesting uh, during that time is you would find that people didn't lock their houses, at least out in the country where we lived, and, and uh, people wouldn't lock their, their cars you just leave the keys in there. Isn't that cool that you could do that? I mean, it's not recommended now. Uh, but at the time, it was like there was so little uh, crime in that way. People weren't just wandering into your house. And if they were in there, you trusted them because they needed to be there. Well, that must be someone I know. They needed something. It's nice we can leave the house open. <laughs> I remember uh, uh, several years back there was a guy in the church and we were going to a restaurant and I recognized his car in the parking lot and I walked by and I looked in his keys were in there I was quite surprised and uh, and it was unlocked I thought what an opportunity <laughs> now I'm not a thief so all I did was move his car <laughs> Parked it far away, so when he came out, he couldn't find it. And would, you know, you have to have friends like me in your life who will bless you that way. Because I think even in heaven, I'll do the same thing if if, if that's allowed. Uh, I'll probably be that way. But understand the difference there. Uh, no rusting, <laughs> no uh, thievery here. Those things are a problem. And Jesus is talking about our treasure. Verse twenty-one. It tells us, he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And so what you do with your treasure now reveals what's important to you. We see that? That's real clear. This is not a stretch. What you do with your treasure reveals what is important to you. If we were to do a self analyzation of anyone in here, we could, uh, if you opened up your financial life and your material life, anyone could go through that and say, okay, this is what's important to this person. That's what Jesus is, 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 is teaching here. Basically, uh, when he says uh, that where your treasure is, your heart is, uh, your heart is the core of who you are. He's not talking your physical pump, pumping blood through you. Uh, it's who you are. It's the center of your being. Um, it, what's there in abundance will direct your life. 
okay? What you have poured into yourself, into your thoughts, into your, what you spend time doing, that is what controls your life. Um, Jesus taught this as well, that where uh, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak, all right? If you're having like trouble cussing or anything, or saying other things full of doubt and unbelief, or you're a complainer, well, you can override that not just through discipline, but through uh, heart content change. You need to do some replacing of what you've been thinking about, meditating on, so forth. And if you'll do that enough, you won't have any trouble with your mouth anymore. Hallelujah. Somebody elbow your neighbor, say, I think he's talking to you. (laughs) No, don't do that. I don't want to cause any marital problems. I did notice that testimony earlier came from the wife, not the husband. (laughs) Anybody notice that? (laughs) Hopefully it's all good there. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Proverbs 4.23 reads, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Keep what? Or guard, keep, or guard your your, your heart. So the inward part of you is the most important, just like you would protect your, your possessions, your home, your vehicle, and your finance, so forth. He said, guard your heart because that's where everything comes out of. The issues of life, what controls your life, what's going to predict your future, it's all what's inside of you. So make sure you keep a guard on that above everything else. All right. What we want to do is, is understand how we work, how other people function. Um, if you're a single person looking to be married and you're interested in someone, what, what should you check, check up on them? Uh, you should check their mouth, first of all. Not just their mouth on the first date. Their mouth when they're under pressure. You should check their mouth when something goes wrong. You should check their mouth just for overall content. <laughs> I'm not talking as they brush their teeth and they got, uh, <laughs> that would be a very important as well. Yeah. Gross. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm talking about if you want to have a godly man or woman to marry and they never bring up the things of God in their conversation, you have a problem. I don't mean they're a horrible person. I'm just saying they're not what you're looking for. Everybody with me? Okay, And if the only time they ever talk about God things is when you ask them questions, there's a heart deficit there. They are not meditating on the right things. There's not word, spirit in abundance there. But if it is, it will naturally come out. You will find the conversations that are present. Hallelujah. Also, of course, see what they spend their money on. Because Jesus said that's where their heart is. And if you really want to know a person, these are the areas that you've got to check up on. You don't really know someone just by, you know, a a few moments in time or a flash, a a snapshot in time where they they put on their their best face for an event or to impress. Hallelujah. And so uh, what you do with your heart, let let me back up. Jesus said, what you do with your treasure reveals your heart. Also then, what you do with your treasure will determine where your heart is going to be. So I can kickstart this and say, my future is going to look 
bright because my treasure is going in a direction that my heart will follow it there. And listen, if out of the heart flows the issues of life, then my treasure, my heart follows my treasure, my life follows my treasure. What I do with my, my money is a prophecy of my future. Whether I will be very tight with the Lord, committed to Him, walking close to God, following His ways, my finances are connected to that. Everybody okay? Uh, we, can, uh, we can't really skip the money issue if we, we ever want to make personal progress. It will always be, if we want to leave it out of the discussion, it'll always be like a tether on our ankle. I can't go any further. I can't make any progress. Uh, it, it will hold you back. Okay? There is a reason Jesus spoke so much about the subject. There is a reason some pastors and teachers and ministers avoid the subject. There's a reason. Say, what's that reason? Well, personally, I think sometimes out of fear, fear of backlash, fear that people aren't going to like it, they know. And the other side is, is temptation of the, the enemy. It's a, it's a deception to avoid the thing that's going to help people the most. Right? And, and we all know, I've been around long enough, I know that sometimes people in the world and some of you that are here today may have a mentality that churches are just all after your money. I know that thought exists. I don't want that thought to exist. It's stupid. Did I say that in a nice way? Uh, nevertheless, I cannot be intimidated by it. I cannot say, oh yeah, better ta stop talking about money. What gives me the right to tear out all these pages? I don't have the authority to do that. I'm not, my assignment isn't to tell the world what I think. My, my assignment is to tell you what, the, what thus saith the Lord. Yeah, and so if it's in there, I'm going to give it to you. And if not, I'm doing you great harm, right? And so we always have to deal with, uh, well, all subjects, but this is so big. It was, it was taught so much in Scripture, and that's because it has such a direct connection to the heart, to who we really are. Now, uh, let me talk to you about balance for a moment, um, it seems very easy for people to overemphasize one side or the other when it comes to money and wealth. It seems very easy for people to be out of balance. And let me, let me share with you that, those extremes for a moment. First of all, um, one side, let me illustrate that. One side will make financial prosperity the sole goal of life and the measure of one's faith, okay? It's all about bringing in more income. And even in Christian circles, sometimes people will judge other people's faith by what they drive or by their financial condition, all right? And how many know that's not correct to do that? That's not wrong. Sometimes, you know, that, that's just not a correct assessment. I'm gonna judge your spiritual life by how much money you have. Uh, at the same time, there are those who criticize others with wealth, and they assume if someone's really, really rich or, or has really, really nice possessions or spends their money a certain way, they assume they're less spiritual. 
How many know the most holy person in the universe is also the most wealthy person? That's God. Right? So we wouldn't want to be a, a judge there and assess people in that way. Um, but those are the, these are those who also mock those who teach that God wants to bless people with wealth. And so we want to avoid the, these ditches. Here, here are the ditches, if I, could, if I could say them this way. One ditch is poverty. All right? Poverty from beginning to end in Scripture is a curse, never a blessing. It is, a, it, it, is a, it is a curse. It's, it's an extreme, if you will. To be poor, to be broke, to not have enough for yourself and to give is an extreme condition. It's way out of balance. It's not a God thing. It's, it's, it's something that's off. It's something that's wrong. The other extreme, now watch. The other extreme is not prosperity. The other extreme is covetousness. Okay, it's, it's, it's being covetous. Uh, prosperity or having an abundance or being successful in life is not something that we should see as out of the ordinary. That is basically normality. It's a normal condition of being. You were designed, created, given the resources, the mental facilities, the spiritual capacity to succeed in life. Every one of us, that's, that's called prosperity, all right? That would be balance. That would be normal, all right? It's kind of like, like sickness is a curse. Sickness and disease is a curse on the human race that was brought in by sin, all right? Health is not an extreme. You wouldn't look at a healthy person, person and say, oh, you're getting way out there now. I notice you're breathing well. You don't limp when you walk. Your vision is, seems to be wet, good and your hearing is fine. You are an extremist. You need to get a couple of diseases working at least in your body. At least an injury or two. <laughs> right? We wouldn't think that. We would say, no, you're healthy. Praise God. That's a good thing. That's normal life. Anything that detracts from that would be, well, that's a problem. Let's see what we can do to repair that, fix that, get you back to a place of middle of the road would be, would be health. Amen. Sorrow is, is, is a curse. God didn't create people uh, for misery. He didn't, we're not here born to just be miserable and just hate life and, and hate our, our existence. We were created for God's presence. And in his presence, the psalmist said, is fullness of joy. So what's normal for a, a human being? What's healthy? Well, that they're successful at something, that their life works, they have an abundance, they're healthy in their life, they're full of joy, they smile a lot. They're pleasant. They're content. That is the normal condition in which God created us. You see, the physical world and all of God's creation, along with our relationship with him, was created for our enjoyment. Do you know that's, that's the case? That God created us, he created you, so you could enjoy him and you could enjoy what he has created. Even the world in its fallen condition... And it's definitely far from God's original design. But how many know there are still some very beautiful places on the planet? I mean, impressive. 
and they're not even close to what they're supposed to be anymore. But God created all this beauty for our enjoyment, not to, not to say, hey, I'm making all this cool stuff, but don't you touch it. You keep away from it. You keep your eyes off of it. I want, you know, even in the Garden of, of Eden, uh, he created all the trees. There was only one that he told them not to eat from, right? It's not like he created all these trees and said, you guys can have this ration bar to sustain you. Don't touch and don't even look at it. Don't even look at it. You might smile. <laughs> No, he created it for our enjoyment, for our, our pleasure. I mean, God could have paved the planet. It could have been asphalt and just put us on here and say, all right, here you go. I didn't want you to be too materialistic. So I wanted you, you know, not to have anything. He could have, but that's not his nature. That's not the way he is. It's not how he designed us. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 13 reads, happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. Okay, wisdom, understanding, you have those, you're happy, happy. If you have wisdom and understanding, verse 16 says, length of days is in her right hand and in her left hand riches and honor. So if you get wisdom, you get understanding, what do you get? You also get long life, you get riches, and you get honor. Okay, I don't think anyone would make a case for being foolish. Oh, God just wants us to be foolish. No, he wants us to have wisdom, understanding, but accompanied with that go these other uh, blessings for life. Uh, in the word of God, we see, if, you, if you've studied it at all, you'll recognize this quickly. If not, you can take my word for it and study it later. There is a continual theme that has two components to it. When it comes to wealth and material things, finances, there, is a, there are constant promises and procedures of how to get it. Really is, how to acquire wealth. And then also at the same time, a, another theme that runs through are warnings about it. I don't want to major on one without the other on either side. But the Lord is telling you and me how to get it and warning us lest it become a major stumbling block in our lives. It can't be the main thing, but it can't be nothing either. Otherwise, he wouldn't keep telling us how to get it. Right? I mean, I think that's, that, that, that's, that's logical. Um, if one does not have enough money, some of you might be there at the very moment, that's a problem, right? It really is. It's a hindrance to your life when you're broke. It's a problem when you can't pay your bills, when you can't, you know, do the things that are in your heart to do. Uh, uh, but at the same time, if money becomes the central focus of your life, it leads to many sorrows, it, it really does. I mean, the one driving down the road in luxury may have far more problems than the one driving down the road rattling in their little beater. Do you know that's true? Some of you who have the beater, you're thinking, I didn't even know if, I was gonna, if, it, if it was going to make it to church today. Listen, that's a problem. We have, we, that's totally a problem. We want the blessing of God to work in your life, and it's not that way. However, don't think the dude who rode by you in luxury 
necessarily has it all together. I mean, if you were to trade, I hope we would have the perspective to say, I'd rather have less stuff and a good relationship with my wife or husband and my kids than the stuff. Shouldn't we prioritize that? I hope we have that that sense. Some things are better than others. But at the same time, God's not making you choose. He wants to bless you in all areas of your life. He just wants to keep our heart out of covetousness. And that's the, that's the warning. First Timothy chapter six. We have, you have a few minutes. I got a few minutes left. <laughs> you guys are using up all my time. <laughs> Talking or listening so well. First uh, Timothy chapter six. I want you to notice uh, over here in verse, beginning in verse six, it reads, now godliness with contentment is great gain. Everybody say contentment. Yeah, that's what we seek. Contentment. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. You never saw a hearse pulling a U-Haul. Verse 8. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some having, have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows." So is that a real danger? People want something to fulfill their lives. They think their happiness and joy is found in it, and they end up being pierced through with many sorrows. Yeah, we want to avoid that. We want to avoid that ditch. Listen to this uh, verse 10 from the Passion Translation. Loving money is the first step towards all kinds of trouble. Some people run after it so much that they have given up their faith. Craving more money pushes them away from the faith into error, compounding misery in their lives. <laughs> I don't want that. I do not want compounded misery. <laughs> Listen to this now, in verse 9 and 10 from the Phillips translation. For men who set their hearts on being wealthy expose themselves to temptation. They fall into the world's traps and lay themselves open to all sorts of silly and wicked desires, which are quite capable of utterly ruining and destroying their souls. For loving money leads to all kinds of evil, and some men in the struggle to be rich have lost their faith and caused themselves untold agonies of mind. So this is what we see as the warning of the traps, of the danger, of guarding your heart to keep your focus and your purpose for living in a proper place. Can someone, though, have faith for finances and work hard to make money, yet still live for a higher purpose and not covet material things? Is that possible? That's the reason 
we're taught these things is to get people to a place of health internally, spiritually, so that God can bless them abundantly because then the doors open wide for God to use you in many ways for your life not to be, uh, you know, burdened down by lack and trouble and, 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 and hardship in that way, but you keep the main thing the main thing. It is important to do that. Some, you know, with their eyes just on building their financial empire and their savings for for many years to come are really missing it. Because how many know, I mean, Jesus taught this as well. You build all this stuff, you obtain all these things, and you're going to die tomorrow. And then whose stuff is that going to be? And that's going to be, that's the reality, reality for all of us. It could end, and we're done with this in a minute, so to give too much attention to the wrong thing is not wise. Yet at the same time, I want to find this perfect balance. When, when I speak about covetousness, if I speak on that solely and excluding everything out, you would think that I'm opposed to prosperity. At the same time, when I speak on prosperity, you might just uh, determine and judge that I'm, uh, I'm materialistic, right? Uh, neither of those are, are the case. We have a problem, though, in today's world. Some people are so hell-bent on correcting everyone else's theology that they misjudge others. They misjudge people's motive. They assume extremism when, uh, when you don't qualify every statement that's made. I want to be able to teach the Word of God without qualifying every statement, okay? And I trust I can do that with most of you. All right, because these things come in in a context in the big picture. Uh, but I believe God wants to bless your socks off. Amen. Say, do you believe money is the main thing? Uh, obviously not. I believe that's an extreme problem. Living for and coveting things. Yeah. I believe uh, that there are all kinds of problems with this subject that kind of spring up without effort. <laughs> That's why we're given so much teaching in the scripture. There are so many verses dealing with this subject. And if we can get money issues handled, I tell you, some of you, it's going gonna, it's gonna to fix your marriage. It's going to fix your, your worry capacity, you know, fear and anxiety, which affects your health, right? It's going gonna, it's gonna to solve your, your future. Things are going to get better. You're going to get smarter. You're going to stop, stop making dumb money decisions. Anybody ever made dumb money decisions before? Okay, probably most of us have. I tell you, God is smarter than you. (laughs) He has so much wisdom for what we have, and he has the ability to abundantly bless us in all these areas of our lives, okay? So when I say rich in God as a title, rich in God, what do I mean? Let me clarify what I mean. I mean rich in spiritual matters. That must be first, I don't want to have a boatload of money and be in a spiritual deficit towards, towards God in my relationship with him. Also, I, by rich in God, I mean financially rich God's way. There are different ways that people pursue wealth and material things, and so many of them are harmful to them. There is a way that God wants to bless you financially. I want to pursue that with him on the throne of my heart. Him is the center of my life. And I want to do things in a godly, 
God-honoring, ethical, moral way. I want to involve my faith. Say, is there ever too much? Well, not if you get it by faith. Anything you can trust God for is not going to harm you. Say, well, what about the lottery? (laughs) Often that harms people. When people are big winners, you've read the stories. Well, if I just had that, all my problems would go away. No, you'd get new problems. I know most people say, I'll risk it. (laughs) But I'm telling you, you you see it sometimes in people, sometimes you see it in their kids' lives, but a lot of things go to to the pot (laughs) when, when sudden wealth is dumped upon people. I'm telling you, there is a godly way to succeed in life. There's a godly way to prosper. There's a godly way to handle this material world that he blessed us with and yet keep him as the centerpiece, as the focus, as the reason that we live. Amen. Amen. I know there are some very wealthy people in the world today. Uh, Always have been. But, you know, people that are very well known. And some of them that are very well known, to my knowledge, they don't know the Lord. I feel so bad for them. Not only about their eternity, but just to have all this stuff without God. That's not a good thing. And it'll be evident to them very, 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 very soon. My prayer is that people receive the Lord. Amen. That's the main thing. And so, uh, let's pray today. I want to pray for you. I want you to pray with me. And uh, we're we're just going to ask the Lord to help us with this, the issues of of finances and riches in our lives, and he's able to do that for you, for me. And, uh, and as we do, um, the blessings of the Lord will abound in our lives in a safe and consistent way. So, Father, thank you for working in every person here today. Thank you for the blessing of the Lord upon each and every one of their lives. Through the work of Jesus, we don't earn it or deserve it, but we receive it by faith the grace of God enabling us to succeed in life and all that we put our hands to. We thank you for it. We acknowledge you for it. We acknowledge your working in our lives and believe you're causing us to succeed and not fail. We give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise for all that you do. Why don't you say this with me? Pray it from your heart. Say, Father God, help me with money, with wealth, material things. I want what you want for my life. I want it. I want it your way. I will not compromise and make it the center and make it my God, make it my focus. But I do want to walk in your ways, to walk in your blessings and your provision in my life. So teach me Show me how you think. Show me how I'm supposed to think. How should I talk? How should I uh, handle my money, my resources? Thank you for your, your wisdom, your divine wisdom imparted to me. You said if I lacked it, I should ask for it. I'm asking today for wisdom, for finances, for my future. So I can walk in your best. Thank you for it. For in riches is wisdom. Excuse me, I said that wrong. Back up that prayer. In wisdom is riches and honor 
and length of days. So thank you for it. I receive your understanding into my life today. In Jesus' name, amen.